0: Hello, I am a wafer-eaten, wine-swilling Catholic, and I never, never
1: listen to I Doubt It with Dala Moore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right, welcome to the program, episode 235 of I Doubt It with Dolomore. I am your host, and sitting with me, as she always is, loyally, my lovely and talented co-host, Brittany Page. Yep. (laughs) You're here. Mm Mm-hmm. That is good. At midnight, nonetheless.
2: Well, (laughs) 12.01.
1: That's what I love about you, Brittany Page. Precision. Mm -hmm. Precision.
2: Yes. So,
1: I don't even know... Well, first of all, we'll we'll get to the show in a minute. But about the show, I don't even know how we're going to tackle everything that there is to talk about about Donald Trump this week. Because he's gaffed so fucking much.
2: Yeah, it's been a, a pretty rough week.
1: But before we get there, that maybe gives you a little taste, a little preview of what's to come. Um, As you well know, or may or may not know, Brittany and I just got back from a trip to Seattle and also Spokane, Washington. And we got there, as many Americans do, via airplane, which is always a treat.
2: (laughs) It really is most of the time.
1: This trip was weird. well, one, we flew a we flew an airline. I don't want to b- besmirch any businesses, but we flew an airline that rhymes with United.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: and uh
2: can't figure that one out.
1: They left a lot to be desired.
2: It was horrible
1: We had two separate drastically delayed flights, but that's not even the problem, mainly. It, it's not even really United or Lunited, whoops, that I wanna <laughs> that I wanna kinda complain about.
2: Uh-huh.
1: It's uh it's a TSA. And I know I don't want to turn this into some kind of comedy bit where, what's the deal with the TSA? I don't that's not what I want to do. <laughs> it's wow. uh what's going on over there? The, the, listen, 9-11 happened 15 years ago, and we've been under the the blanket of security at the airport, unlike any other time before that, for 15 years.
2: I think we talked about recently, too, that the TSA really isn't that good at their job. No, they are not. They fail tests to detect explosives and weapons yes. all the time.
1: All the time. Well, Brittany and I were flying out of Seattle coming back. Is that right? Yeah. And uh the we put our shoes in the bin, yeah, a, as you do,
2: you know, you have to separate everything out. your your laptop goes in a separate bin. That's right. And then all of your other items go in the bins, yeah, right. <laughs> so
1: we put our shoes in a separate bin, yeah, and we got yelled at.
2: And the TSA agent was not happy. <laughs> Particularly with me, he said, you need to take those out and put those separately by themselves on the conveyor belt. On
1: the little conveyor belt.
2: And I had never heard that before. And I've I've dealt with the TSA many, many times. I've been right. through security many times. I never heard that. And so I said, huh, um, you know, that's kind of confusing. I've never heard that before. And he said, yeah, it's been like that since 2004.
1: He was an old guy, too. It wasn't like some wet behind the ears newbie. It was an old man.
2: Yeah. So he's claiming that since 2004, everyone going through security has been required to take their shoes and put them separately by themselves on the conveyor belt. Right. I have never been told to do that. Have you? Never. Everyone I've asked has also said they've never had to do that. Right.
1: Well, I know that certain airports have specific scrutinized kind of policies that they have to follow that are different from others because there's different threat threat assessments. There's different risks involved. So TSA security and its separate elements aren't a monolith. They mm. are... They tweak them as needed, is, which is what they should do. But I have never heard a ubiquitous statement like that. Like, everyone always, since 2004, has had to do this.
2: Well, apparently Seattle has a lot of shoe concerns.
1: <laughs> right. Well... It, that wasn't even that. I thought his attitude, the dick attitude, was the problem. Well, yeah, it is. And then, and this is on the way there, Brittany and I board the plane, and I am no little guy, six foot three, 275 pounds. I'm a big guy. And I got the window seat, which was not optimum, but it's better than the middle seat, <laughs> which Brittany had. And the guy in front of me reclines his seat. As soon as he gets on the plane, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to wait until you're at cruising altitude. Yeah. It, and the plane is not a giant. It's not a 777. It's a little plane. Yeah. Where I'm looking at. I can, I'm can. i just sitting in my seat and he's so far leaned back. I'm reading his emails. I know his name now. I know his email address. <laughs> Brittany was able to see what he was doing on his phone. He's messaging. Some naughty things on Instagram. Yeah, he's, he's married because we know a ring. We see the ring. And we've seen emails back and forth to his wife. We know what business he's in. And Brittany sees him. Well, why don't you tell it?
2: Well, there was just a scantily clad lady. Yeah,
1: you're not going to do it well enough. (laughs) There is a woman with her tits out. (laughs) Brittany wasn't able to ascertain whether her bottoms were off. But bare tits, some whore he's messaging.
2: Okay, well, listen. We... We sound horrible right now like we are like we're snooping. But what the deal was is he was leaned so far back that there was really nothing else to look at. Like if I'm looking ahead of me just straight, his stuff is in my face. That's right. And
1: And even worse for me.
2: Yeah. And I mean, this This is the character of this guy. Before we took off, the flight attendant said, oh, you need to lean your, your seat forward because he had leaned it back. And he literally said to her, it already is. Yeah. Oh Goddamn. Do you think <laughs> that we don't know what's going on here? You think that she tells this to people all day, every day for her whole
1: well, career. She's also standing up, looking down the line of seats, and sees that one of
2: these things is not like the other. I know. <laughs> and he's trying to. It is. No. Oh my god. Uh,
1: smarmy Newport Beach dick.
2: It was a very interesting experience.
1: Yeah. No. N- no good. Uh, anyway, it was just kind of a, a a a cacophony of 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 mess of messes. <laughs> huh? I'm even. I'm, I'm just. I'm flummoxed by it still. But
2: but we are thankful for the technology and the ability to fly.
1: Well, that's the other thing. I always, every time you bitch about flying, people say (laughs) shit like that. Well, just be glad that you can blah, blah, blah. So what, we should be rounded up like cattle and treated like shit because (laughs) it's a wonderment? Because flight is a beautiful thing?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like if you bitch about slow internet speed, well, you may be thankful you don't have a 14.4 modem. <laughs> Fuck off. We don't have that anymore. I, I need to hold the technology at its level and hold it to account.
2: Yeah. Not well, think
1: back a hundred years ago and like, well, you could be Orville Wright.
2: Well, these things you're complaining about are not about the technology. They're about the kind of logistics. The Yes. The added elements well, that accompany, yeah, but a
1: lot of people believe you should you should uh, put up with a lot of shitty elements because of the technology, right? No, got it. Jesse D refuses.
2: <laughs> Jesse D says no. No. Yes.
1: All right. Well, let's let's move ahead with the show, and in true I doubt it fashion, let's do some follow up. We have talked in the past many times, in fact about the runaway train that is George Zimmerman. (laughs) Well, he's at it again. And this time he was the victim of being punched right in his stupid fucking face.
2: George Zimmerman says he was punched in the face after talking about the Trayvon Martin case at a Florida restaurant over the weekend. Zimmerman said that he was at Gators Riverside Grill. Sounds fantastic. (laughs) in Sanford on Sunday evening when he walked by a table with several people and complimented a man's Confederate flag tattoos. Yeah.
1: That sounds about right.
2: The man, Joseph Whitmer, thanked him and asked, aren't you that guy?
1: No, Brittany, come on. I think we all know it went down like this. Oh, thanks, man. Aren't you that dude? It wasn't, oh, hello, sir. Oh, many, many thanks. A thousand thank yous for the compliment on my dirty racist tattoo, sir. We all know it wasn't that.
2: Well, we all know it wasn't that because this guy had a Confederate flag tattoo. Okay. Zimmerman said yes and pulled out his ID to prove it, an incident report shows. Whitmer asked about the Trayvon Martin case and as Zimmerman started to explain that he fatally shot the unarmed teen in self-defense another man walked up and asked You're bragging about that? Zimmerman told the man he wasn't, but the man said, you better get the F out of here. Zimmerman told deputies he went back to his table where several of his friends were eating. Several minutes later, the man, who was identified only as Eddie, walked over to his table and cursing said, didn't I tell you to get the F out of here?
1: (laughs) By the way, all of this is the recounting of the tale by George Zimmerman. There are, in this story, there are like three different versions of the story. It, it, it is a true Florida tale.
2: Zimmerman told the man he wasn't looking for trouble, and the man punched him in the face, breaking his glasses. Restaurant staffers broke up the scuffle. Zimmerman then called 911. This man just punched me in the face, he told the dispatcher. <laughs> He said he's going to kill me. You need to send three or four cops. Wow. (laughs) Apparently just three or four.
1: Very directive. Yeah. He he knows the number that that are needed.
2: Yes. (laughs) He said the man and Well, how
1: about five? No, no. This is a situation that will it won't take five. That will be a waste of resources, sir. I said three or four.
2: He said the man and about five of his friends were holding him back. The man then fled on a blue Harley Davidson motorcycle. A sheriff's office spokeswoman said deputies were still attempting to locate the man who could face battery charges. I'm
1: sure they're searching real hard for that guy.
2: And what you said about how there's different reports. Well, Whitmer's wife, the guy with the tattoos, said that Zimmerman approached them while they were eating and said, hey, I like your racist tattoos. (laughs) And then proceeded to brag about the Trayvon Martin case. So
1: George Zimmerman's version doesn't sound right. Uh, That guy's story doesn't really exactly sound right. Read toward the bottom where the owner gives his version of the story, and it seemed even more stupid.
2: Well, the owner said the incident started when Zimmerman approached a shirtless patron who had just come in from the St. John's River. This
1: is a classy place. Shirtless people eating in a restaurant.
2: And told him (laughs) that he didn't like one of his tattoos. Oh, see? After a few words... This is eyewitness testimony, everybody. Um, (laughs) After a few words, Zimmerman walked back to his table. A friend of the first man to approach Zimmerman, who was at the restaurant with family celebrating a 12-year-old's birthday, walked over to Zimmerman to confront him. The two argued, but no punches were thrown. The two shoved each other, but... Winters, the owner, said claims of anything further are, quote, blown out of proportion.
1: Right. So they really have a lock on what went down <laughs> at the the Riverside Bar and Grill or whatever the hell this place is in Sanford. Nice.
2: The Gators Riverside
1: Grill. R- Gators Riverside Bar and Grill. Yeah. little advertisement for them. I-, I will say this, and we've said this before, this guy's on a... He's on a on a on a collision course with something terrible happening to him. and I don't wish people ill will, but eh, we'll just leave it at that. I, I just I'm not gonna be surprised if this guy ends up dead or maimed at the hands of someone else because of his being such a fucking provocateur.
2: Well he's consistently getting into trouble. so
1: getting shot at in road raid incidences, brandishing weapons at his girlfriends, domestic violence murdering unarmed black teens. <laughs> I mean, come on. It doesn't take a psychic, Brittany. That's all, that's all I'm saying.
2: Not a good situation.
1: Right. All right. Well, in other news, not necessarily follow-up, but we have talked in the past many times about an effort on the part of secular people and religious types, who I got to think are kind of jokey, like Satanists, to give the opening invocation at city council meetings and and the like. Well, recently, at a city council meeting in Pensacola, Florida, what a coincidence, another Florida story. Well, at a city council meeting, they were going to let this satanic priest, which doesn't even seem like a real religion, but they're going to let him give the invocation, the opening invocation, Because they can't always just have it be a Christian thing. Because that's a violation of the separation of church and state. Well, townsfolk came and started, I'll just play the clip. And it goes from them chanting to the guy breaking in, the city council manager breaking in and saying, Hey, we're going to have to clear the room if you dicks don't stop this because we just got to get this over with. And then him giving his prayer. It is a, a shit show all the way around, but entertaining nonetheless.
3: We'll call this council meeting of July 14, 2016, to order. At this time, we will have an invocation by David Suhor. This will be followed by a Pledge of Allegiance led by Vice President Brian Spencer.
0: We can. We can. I on our Can I ask you to at least keep it to a
3: low no. No. volume? No, he's
1: going to pronounce purses on us. And you? Then I'm
3: going to have to ask you all to leave so that no. he can give his invocation. I can clear the chambers if I like. I don't want to have to do that. Remember
4: this, this is not a constitutional right. This is not a constitutional right.
1: This is not... A constitutional right, she proclaims. Kind of striking that these hayseeds don't really understand the Constitution that well. Also, they are very worried, Brittany, that he's going to put a curse on them. <laughs> uh-huh. Like it's real life Harry fucking Potter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here begins his prayer. Let us
0: Unbound and unfettered, by arcane doctrines born of fearful minds in darkened times. Let us embrace the
1: Luciferian impulse to
0: eat of the tree of knowledge and dissipate. Our blissful and comforting delusions of old. Let us demand that individuals be judged for their concrete actions, not their fealty to arbitrary social norms, and illusory categorization
4: it is
0: done
1: Little, uh, little hail Satan at the end there, Brittany Page. Mm -hmm. If you were to take away all the Lucifer, Luciferian, all the weird shit, what he said was pretty great. Yeah, about relying on knowledge and not uh, judging people based on these arbitrary social constructs and. It was good. Yeah. It just had to be weird because he's in like a fucking weirdo, like cloak with a hood. And he's singing his weird Hail Satan. You know, it's just fucking weird.
2: Well, I think the only reason that people think it's weird is because it's not the norm, right? It's oh, no, no, It's something that's not popular.
1: I'm not saying that Christianity and their weird shit isn't weird, too. I'm just saying... Uh, that's weird
2: okay <laughs> Well because even when you hear them trying to drown him out with the Lord's Prayer yeah that's
1: weird I'm sure
2: there are people who think that's weird Listen, right
1: I grew up in a church where there are shandala blah, blah 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 speaking in tongues, raising up their hands, acting like like lunatics. It's like an insane asylum every Sunday. Anyway something else happened recently. <laughs> With uh, a Satan club or something in a school, didn't it?
2: Yeah, in Kansas City, Missouri, the Satanic Temple contacted nine public school districts across the country seeking to start after school Satan programs. In all but one district, religious clubs are operated by the Child Evangelism Fellowship's Good News Clubs, in which students can study the Bible and pray several districts contacted the Associated Press and said they were reviewing the group's request and noted their facilities were available to community groups.
1: As, well, they should, I guess. I mean, if you're giving equal time to one, you gotta give equal time to the other. I think it it is all in the course of trying to show Christians and types like that woman who proclaimed that this is not a constitutional right, people like them that If you have a right to pray your crazy Christian prayers, lady, then cloak guy has a right to pray his crazy Satan prayers.
2: Matt Staver, founder of a Christian legal aid group that has represented Child Evangelism Fellowship, said that the organization was illegitimate and an atheist group masquerading as religious. He described Satanism as an atheist philosophy whose believers, quote, feel it provides everything a religion provides to be legitimized as such. So again, someone who doesn't know what atheism is right. because atheists don't believe in God, which also means they don't believe in Satan. Right. Lucifer!
1: Just as fake as God. Come on. God damn.
2: So let's not confuse those two, okay?
1: All right, but before we move on to the rest of the show, let's move on to the other side of the country, Phoenix, Arizona. It appears as though they have
3: a real life serial killer on the loose. He seems to choose his victims randomly, approaches them quickly at night and blasts them with a semi-automatic handgun. Tonight, Phoenix police tell CNN the serial shooter in their city has struck again. A 21-year-old man and a four-year-old boy were in a car. It was during that time that uh, we believe the serial uh, street shooter shot at the car. Fortunately, neither the man or or the child were struck. That was on July 11th. It's taken weeks for investigators to establish that this was indeed the same man who they say has killed seven people in nine attacks since March. Children have been targeted twice including 12-year-old Malia Ellis, shot and killed as she listened to music inside a car. Authorities have raised the reward to $50,000, put out this sketch of the suspect. Police tell us he's likely a Hispanic man in his 20s, tall and thin. Profilers say he's a narcissistic psychopath.
5: What we have here is a person who cares not about anybody else but himself. He gets a big thrill out of anything that draws attention to him. He wants to feel powerful and in control. He has no empathy whatsoever
3: and no apparent connection to any of his victims, but he does have an M.O. Police say some of the shootings were in east central Phoenix, including the last one. But most have occurred in a blue collar section of west Phoenix called Maryvale. What does the pattern tell you? What's clear is that he's comfortable in both of these areas
0: of the city, east and west, uh, maybe because he knows a place to park that he considers safe and far enough away when he does these shootings. Maybe he's lived in the neighborhood or worked in the neighborhood.
3: CNN is told investigators are looking into whether the gunman works in a mechanic shop or a car sales lot. Police believe he has access to multiple vehicles. Two are described as a white Cadillac or Lincoln type vehicle and a dark 5 series BMW sedan from the late 90s or early 2000s. He always approaches his victims in a car, gets away in a car. He may have an accomplice. How could this killer slip up?
5: I think the biggest mistake this particular individual might make is that he's starting to think he's invisible, like he's a phantom. Hey, this composite has been out there, and nobody's turned me in. As there's, They talk about my vehicles. Nobody's turned me in.
1: Pretty scary stuff. I mean, I can't remember a time as an adult where there was like a – like they knew there was someone who was committing multiple murders or multiple kidnappings as an adult. I mean, that shit was going on in the, when I was a kid. Or I heard about it anyway. Maybe I made it up my mind.
2: (laughs) What's happening right now? (laughs) But uh,
1: listen, uh, if you're in a Phoenix area, uh, be safe out there. Be careful. Be vigilant.
2: Yeah. I think that when you think of serial killer, you think of like Ted Bundy or someone who was doing something more than just going up to people and shooting them. Right. But this still is a serial killer. Yeah. So it is pretty scary that someone is, is doing this.
1: And I hope they catch him very quickly. Yeah. Seems like a $50,000 reward's kind of Yeah. not really committing to the whole thing, you know?
2: Yeah, it seems like that could be higher. <laughs> Give people some incentive. Right. Come You're, on. You
1: don't have to go do Powerball, but, you know, taking <laughs> hundred grand, something.
2: Yeah, come on. All right. Don't be cheap. You're making a lot of money off those uh, red light cams. You can do it. <laughs>
1: Uh, Brittany's bitter. <laughs> All right. Well, before we move on, I just wanted to thank Brandon, our newest Patreon supporter.
2: Yes. Thank you, Brandon. We
1: appreciate it very much. Um, your goodies are on the way. For those of you who would like to, who have been thinking about it, who have been on the fence about joining the Patreon or PayPal family, supporting us, helping us move the conversation forward, you can do so by going to dollamore.com slash patreon. Or Dollamore.com slash PayPal. We love and appreciate you. Every little bit goes a long way and is appreciated very much. Uh a quarter an episode, a dollar an episode, whatever the minimum you could give an episode, um, isn't doesn't get dismissed. We appreciate every single hard earned penny that you guys um contribute to the show and the efforts here. So Thank you guys. We love you. And uh, let's get on with some Trump-tacular doll-imocracy. dollimocracy. 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. And like I said at the top of the show, it's kind of disjointed, it's going to have to be, because there's so much to cover. I mean,. Hillary Clinton, her, that section of her website, the briefing, they put out a video that was just chock full of different things that he did just this week. Donald Trump lied about having watched top secret uh, footage that was filmed by the Iranian army of them offloading, scrambling to get these pallets of currency that were allegedly or they're being accused of uh, getting from the U.S. as an exchange for the prisoners.
2: Yeah, he did finally admit he he got something wrong. And oh, it, that's right. He did. And it was about this issue, although he didn't apologize and he didn't say, oh, I got this wrong. He just kind of issued a tweet That was very clearly a pivot away from what he had previously been saying. Right. So after publicly declaring multiple times that he had seen, quote, top secret footage of a plane unloading money the same day the Iranian government released four American detainees, Donald Trump finally admitted that video does not exist. Quote, the plane I saw on television was the hostage plane in Geneva, Switzerland. Not the plane carrying 400 million in cash going to Iran, he tweeted. Right. Trump initially told a crowd Wednesday that he'd seen the non-existent video footage he claimed was filmed by the Iranian government to quote embarrass the United States. The next day, however, Trump's own spokeswoman said the video was actually of prisoners being released. Nevertheless, Trump doubled down again, repeating the claim even after it had been debunked by his own campaign. Ugh, he's
1: an idiot. Seriously. And then I think we talked about this last time. The, the the NFL letter. He said the NFL wrote him a letter saying that it was ridiculous that they were going to be holding debates on the nights of football games. The NFL said, "No, we didn't write Trump a letter. He's a liar." <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't say that, but he said he said they got a letter. He he didn't get a letter. That's a lie.
2: Yeah. Clearly.
1: Yeah. What was it? What else? Um, the Purple Heart thing. That's not really a lie.
2: Well, it was insulting, right? Absolutely. A, a veteran at a Virginia rally gave Donald Trump his Purple Heart. And Donald Trump accepted it, which I don't like. Then he said, I've always wanted to get a Purple Heart. This was much easier.
1: What an easier way to get a Purple Heart than have someone who actually was awarded the Purple Heart give it to you. Yeah,
2: and this is obviously disturbing, but it's also disturbing to a man named Cameron Kerr, a Purple Heart recipient based in Virginia. As an Army veteran who lost his leg on the battleground in Afghanistan, he was stunned to see Trump treating this prestigious award like a flashy new toy. He figured if Trump has always really wanted a Purple Heart, he should have to earn it, quote, the old-fashioned way, by going into a war zone. So he's raising money to help give Trump that chance with a GoFundMe page. (laughs) Quote, As with seemingly everything else in his life, Mr. Trump got a Purple Heart handed to him instead of earning it. So he launched a GoFundMe page with the headline, Help Trump Get a Purple Heart. And obviously, this is a satire GoFundMe page.
1: Tongue in cheek, for sure.
2: But it has raised almost $51,000 at this point.
1: And I'm sure they'll just give it to charity. Right. A veteran's charity.
2: It's going to help Syrian refugees. Oh,
1: well, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. The other thing he did this week, he advised people to pull their money out of their 401Ks, which will effectively take it out of the market, which would be, it could be crisis level. Listen, he wants to be president of the United States. Every single sentence that's uttered from a president gets looked at every which way.
2: Right. He said that, uh, quote, I don't like a lot of the things that I see. Quote-unquote.
1: Whatever that means. (laughs) Makes a lot
2: of sense. He said that he had personally gotten his money out of the stock market and urged ordinary Americans not to put their 401k funds into stocks.
1: Uh, Wow. Patently irresponsible, unbelievable behavior by someone who wants to be president of the United States. He, this week, refused to endorse Speaker Paul Ryan and Senator John McCain, and then decided that he was going to endorse Paul Ryan. Still, I don't think John McCain.
2: Oh, I think he did. Oh, did he? Yeah, which was interesting because he, when he wasn't endorsing John McCain, he had said he hasn't done enough for the vets. That's right. So apparently within this two-day turnaround period from not endorsing to endorsing, John McCain did a lot for the vets.
1: He must have done a lot for the vets in those two days. (laughs) He working overtime, that old guy. Um, the other thing uh, he kicked a crying baby out of a out of a rally.
2: Yeah. And this is something he's been banging on about on Twitter and at his rallies talking about how the media is dishonest and lying about this saying that he kicked a baby out. Why don't you just watch the video? He very sweetly notices the baby crying at first and says oh that's so cute it's a healthy beautiful baby you know whatever yeah and then however many minutes later two
1: minutes later
2: is oh i was just kidding about the baby you can go ahead and get it out now and directs that it be taken out
1: and they took the baby out
2: yeah so he kicked the baby out he
1: did kick a baby out (laughs) i mean that's he's 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 objecting to the categorization of well i didn't throw the baby yeah you did yeah 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 you did yeah Uh, He responds, he is right now trailing Hillary Clinton by almost 10 points in the polls. Eight points in the polls. And he responded to this precipitous drop in the polls by crying about a rigged election. That, oh, it must be because it's a rigged election and I'm getting screwed over. Yeah. That's the only reasonable explanation. It couldn't be... Everything that we just talked about being the cause of your drop in poll numbers, you mook.
2: Yeah. It has
1: to be that the system is rigged against you. Yeah. Ugh. Well, and
2: I don't know how long he's going to keep going on this rigged system thing. When he won the nomination. Right, right, right. I mean, it's ridiculous.
1: He also assured George Stephanopoulos that uh, Putin would not invade Crimea. He's not going to do it, George. <laughs> Don't worry, he's not going to do it. Uh, yeah, he, he did that two years ago. He's already there. <laughs> oh, well, that's not what I... I mean, well, you know, Obama's there. I'm not quite there yet. What what? what? what does any of that mean? That was a goofy answer. Yeah. President. Wants to be president of the United States, folks. Yeah. Well, s- people of note and people with a conscience are starting to pay attention.
2: Well, and one of those people I want to note is uh, Michael Morrell, the former director of the CIA. He wrote a New York Times op-ed and said that he is endorsing Hillary Clinton. Yes. And I want to read a segment of his op-ed because yeah, and, it's about Russia.
1: And we'll put this on the on the Facebook page because it's real, real good.
2: He said President Vladimir Putin of Russia was a career intelligence officer trained to identify vulnerabilities in an individual and to exploit them. That is exactly what he did early in the primaries. Mr. Putin played upon Mr. Trump's vulnerabilities by complimenting him. He responded just as Mr. Putin had calculated. I don't know I don't want to keep calling him Mr. Putin for some reason But we know the New York Times Loves this right They
1: love the mister
2: Mr. Putin is a great leader Mr. Trump says Ignoring that he has killed And jailed journalists And political opponents Has invaded two of his neighbors And is driving his economy to ruin Mr. Trump has also taken Policy positions Consistent with Russian Not American interests Endorsing Russian espionage Against the United States Supporting Russia's annexation Of Crimea and giving a green light to a possible Russian invasion of the Baltic states. In the intelligence business, we would say that Mr. Putin had recruited Mr. Trump as an unwitting agent of the Russian Federation.
1: That is big. And this listen, this guy's not a Democrat. This guy is a career intelligence officer in the CIA. He was once acting director of the agency. He doesn't have an axe to grind here. He's not an anti-Trump, never-Trump politico. This is a guy who has worked in a serious business. If I may be so bold, he has a certain set of skills. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But there is a problem here with this Russian thing. Because Trump has been sounding off for so long about getting rid of NATO. There's only one nation in that region that wants to get rid of NATO And that's Russia. NATO was put in place, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, was put in place to combat, to thwart, to stave off military advances from then the USSR, the Soviet Union, what is now Russia. Those hostilities still are held by the leader of Russia What I don't think I heard when you read about his bio, Mr. Putin's bio, Mm -hmm. Brittany, is that he wasn't just an intelligence officer. He worked for the KGB. He he, he might have been a a mid-level kind of a bureaucrat guy, but he was very well trained in Soviet Russia. Not this new Russia that all the kids are talking about. We're talking about the USSR, communist Russia. That's where I believe his allegiances are still to. He still runs that country like a strongman, not a real democratic system.
2: Well, and you can see a similarity there with Donald Trump's speech, right? And you keep having people like, I'm forgetting specifically who, maybe Newt Gingrich. There's been people recently, these talking heads that are saying, well, listen... He's like this now, but once he becomes president, he'll be different because right. he'll have all these people around him and they'll be <laughs> controlling him. And, oh, well, that's a great selling point is once he's president, he'll have people to supervise him that will tell him what to do yeah. that won't allow him to behave the way he's currently behaving.
1: You mean once he's president of the United States and officially <laughs> the most powerful man on the planet, yeah. that's when he'll he'll start taking advice? All that power is not going to go to his fucking giant orange head.
2: Well, in in one of the other comments from this op-ed, he said, quote, the dangers that flow from Mr. Trump's character are not just risks that would emerge if he became president. It is already damaging our national security. You have the Russia thing, you have calling to ban Muslims from entering the country. Right. There's a lot of problematic things. And it's really unfortunate that people's hatred of Hillary Clinton is obscuring their ability to see this for what it is.
1: Yes. Well, listen, it really does let you know just how much power a president has. Because when 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 a when a candidate When a nominee for the presidency can cause this much problem, it shows you just how many fucking moving parts there are. This isn't a guy we want in that office. Well, it's not just this former acting director of the CIA. Another mega donor, another GOP mega donor, Seth Klarman, has switched his allegiance and his donation machine over... From the GOP to Hillary Rodham Clinton.
2: He is a billionaire mega donor who usually contributes to the Republican Party and its candidates, but he's going to abandon his party this cycle because of, quote unquote, shockingly unacceptable comments from Donald Trump. Yes. He has decided instead to back Hillary Clinton, quote, his words and actions over the last several days are so shockingly unacceptable in our diverse and democratic society that it is simply unthinkable that Donald Trump could become our president.
1: Hear, hear. I'm with you.
2: And this cycle, Klarman has donated to PACs supporting former Florida Governor Jeb Bush, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and Florida Senator Marco Rubio.
1: So he's not a he. He is a he's a dedicated, loyal Republican, right? And he's not having it with the Trump.
2: No, he is not.
1: Well, speaking of fundraising, we know that for the for the almost a year, Trump was on his. I'm self-funding, I'm self-funding my campaign, it's my money, I don't take, I'm not going to have special interest influence me. Wink, wink. Well, we've talked about how he is raising money, he is fundraising, he is accepting donations, and really, to put it bluntly, always was. He had a donate button on his goddamn campaign site. But we're learning now that his biggest economic advisors are also his biggest donors so what he preached about for so long about the threat of special interest and not going to be influenced by them he is being influenced by his largest donors now on the economic front so one more strike of of what a hypocrite and a liar that donald trump is on this front
2: Of the 13 men that Trump touted as economic advisors for their unparalleled experience and success, five are major donors whose families combined to give Trump's campaign and his joint fundraising account with the Republican Party more than $2 million. Two more have been pursued for campaign contributions.
1: Wow. Uh, Well, you know, it's not surprising, but it just needs to be pointed out so the audience has some talking points to go forth into their week and say, well, have a little evidence of what, what, a, what a dirty, filthy, lying hypocrite he is.
2: And that's that's not all. I mean, there's at least one, two, three, four. There's several more yeah. of his yeah. economic advisors that have given him money.
1: Yeah. Well, he, here's the other thing that baffles me about the Trump campaign, or Donald Trump in general, is how, and we've talked about this, he, he attacks the media. He attacks the media, expecting no fallout. I think he expects that if he insults them enough that they're going to run cowering into the woods and not continue to look into him.
2: Yeah, that's never going to (laughs) happen.
1: Well, Trump's major deal has been immigration this entire time, illegal immigration. And now it appears that maybe his wife isn't quite on the up and up as we thought.
4: Photos fanned across the covers of the New York Post, a 25-year-old Melania Trump, then known as Melania Kay, posing provocatively for a French magazine. But the photos that raised a few eyebrows are now raising questions about Melania's immigration history.
5: And I came to uh, United States, to New York in 1996.
4: 1996 is the year she stands by, telling CNN's Anderson Cooper and numerous other publications that's when she came to the U.S. But these photos were snapped in New York City in 1995, according to the author of her recent biography. So what difference does a year make? Possibly the difference between Mrs. Trump breaking immigration law or not. To understand why, listen to Melania Trump's own words. I came here on visa. I flew to Slovenia every few months to stamp it
5: and came back. I applied for green card and then after a few years for citizenship, I uh, obeyed the law. I, I did it the right way. I didn't just sneak in and stay here. So I think that's what people should do.
4: Trump insists she got her visa stamped every few months. If that's accurate, it would mean she had a type of visa, possibly a tourist visa, that needs to be updated periodically. But that type of visa does not allow working in the United States. The type of visa that does allow work is called H-1B. And the man who discovered Melania tells CNN he didn't sponsor her for an H-1B until 1996, a year after this racy photo shoot. But there's a caveat. The photographer behind the camera at the shoot, Yar Alain de Bosville, says Melania was a young model waiting for a big break, so she didn't get paid, which would mean she didn't violate any immigration laws.
0: We were making this kind of magazine to have exposure, and this exposure was bringing you to the next level to have catalog, campaign, and everything. So
4: Melania was not paid for this photo shoot, you say? No,
0: no, no, nobody's
5: paying, nobody's paying.
4: If that non-paid photo shoot was the only work she did before getting an H-1B visa, she wouldn't have broken any laws. Melania Trump isn't directly answering whether she was first in New York in 1995 instead of 1996 like she's previously stated. But could it simply be an honest error? She wrote this on Twitter. Let me set the record straight. I have at all times been in full compliance with the immigration laws of this country, period. Any allegation to the contrary is simply untrue. In July 2006, I proudly became a U.S. citizen. Over the past 20 years, I have been fortunate to live, work and raise a family in this great nation. And I share my husband's love for this country. It's a sentiment she expressed in her Cleveland Convention speech.
5: I was very proud to become citizens
4: of the United States. (laughs) Melania Trump. Melania Trump got her green card in 2001 and John today I talked to an immigration attorney who tells me any previous visa issues would have likely have had to have been addressed back during that process during the green card process he says any visa issues that emerge now almost 20 years later would likely be forgiven
1: they'd absolutely be forgiven especially given the status that she's a nominee for president's wife Mm -hmm. but it's just one more thing Trump pointing the finger at all these dirty Mexicans while his wife likely, it seems, very well could have been an illegal immigrant herself.
2: Well, it's okay for models. Right, right. As long as you're
1: posing naked in French nudie magazines.
2: Super hot models. Good to go. Good to go.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I just recently did another YouTube video for the series that I'm calling the Conversation on YouTube, on the YouTube channel. And this latest video is about the race problem within the Republican Party. The what? The race problem.
2: It has a it has a race problem? Yeah. Oh. Little,
1: little bit of a problem with race.
2: Interesting. Kind of a white party, Brittany Bates. Oh, I hadn't heard anything about this. Yeah. So I'm probably gonna have to go watch that video. <laughs> Because I didn't know. I couldn't
1: tell whether you're being supportive or snarky or maybe a refined mixture of both.
2: (laughs) Yeah, probably that one.
1: Well, if you watched any of the GOP convention, you saw that it was a fucking white party. It was a white fest. A YouGov poll just recently released some very interesting, kind of alarming results from their polling not i guess really not surprising because we're seeing the success that donald trump is having these results kind of just go hand in hand with that
2: you gov's latest reach gov's latest research shows that white americans are largely alone in thinking that the 1950s and 1960s were a better time for people like them 47% of white Americans say that life was better for people like them in the 50s and 60s, compared to only 21% of black Americans and 22% of Hispanics. 46% of black Americans say that life is better today for people like them than it was half a century ago.
1: Where, who are these 21% of blacks who say that, oh yeah, 60s, way better than today. Who Who is that?
2: I am not quite sure. Were
1: they like, they, they only, they only, uh... They only polled like 50 people and six of them were were like millionaire black people or something because that is that is absurd.
2: It's a fair question that you're asking 50s and 60s. Yeah.
1: 50s. You couldn't marry a white person. You couldn't even drink from a white person's drinking fountain. How is it not better today? I don't know. God damn. I don't get that. Anyway, there's obviously a racial divide in the Republican Party, and it's not just spurned by Donald Trump. It's systemic. There's a problem. They're not reaching out well enough to minority populations with their message. And up until this cycle, I would say that their message was palatable. It was reasonable that someone of not just white European heritage would uh, think that it could work, think that it would be a viable political option. The other group that they are actually reaching very well right now is that of the white nationalist. Yes. The chairman of the American Nazi Party. Which is a thing. Who knew that was a thing? It's a guy named Rocky Suyeda. We're just going to go with that. Yeah doesn't sound like a really Nazi-ish white name. I'm just going to say. I don't know.
2: Someone do the Ancestry.com run on that name and let us know.
1: Well, he is very hopeful about the candidacy of Donald Trump, about the chances for Trump winning the election, and also what it will do to normalize the American Nazi Party's philosophy.
2: Well, he calls it a real opportunity.
1: That's right.
0: Not to toot our own horns, but that's what we've been trying to do for years now,
4: is to get out of the
0: entertainment, uh, you know, street corner fantasy, uh, you know, screwballism nonsense, and to actually get into going in a small way to take part in real political activity. Now, hopefully, if... The white movement in this country would follow the European brothers uh, mm-hmm. and involved in this. It's a possibility, okay, that we could get something serious going here, too, okay? Um, I'm going to project this. I believe that Trump is going to win the election this November, okay, for various reasons, which I don't want to go into again, but I think it's going to surprise the enemy, because I think that they feel that the white working class, especially the male portion of the white working class, and with him, you know, his females counterparts have basically thrown in the towel and given up hope of any politician, you know, ever again, standing up for their interests.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, if Trump does win, okay? It's going to be a real opportunity for people like white nationalists, okay, acting intelligently to build upon that and to go and start, okay? You know how you have the black political caucus and whatnot, all right, again, in Congress and everything? to start building on something like that, okay? It doesn't have to be anti okay, like the movement's been for decades, so much as it has to be pro-white. You know what I'm saying?
4: Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to go and call us bigots if we don't go around and act like a bigot, okay? And that's what the movement should contemplate, all right? I mean, let's face it. If blacks act like savages, You don't need to go around and have to point out constantly that, you know, they're acting like savages. So they are savages. Hey, the people see that. They recognize it. Okay? What we need to do is start worrying about the health of our
1: white folk. Okay? Okay. 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 He loves that word, Brittany. Okay,
2: yeah, this is really disturbing.
1: It is disturbing. Did you hear what he said? It's going to be hard to call us bigots if we're not acting like bigots. So all he's saying is, hey, let's not act like that. We're still going to hold these pernicious, hateful, dangerous beliefs like that blacks are savages.
2: God damn. Well, that's the part that didn't make any sense is when he says that, well, we don't have to be anti anything. We can just be pro white right, and then right. we won't be bigots. Um, yeah,
1: it's the thought that white people need a hand up and a helping hand in this society politically or economically is come on guy. What happened in your childhood? <laughs>
2: Well, and the the disturbing thing is that uh, Trump supporters who aren't supporters of the white nationalist movement don't try to put some distance here. Right. They want to act like this isn't a reality, but this is. So what is it about Donald Trump and Donald Trump's candidacy that is stirring up excitement among the white nationalists?
1: Right. Well, they're not they're not endorsing Hillary Clinton.
2: Right. When he says this is a real opportunity for people like white nationalists acting intelligently to build upon Donald Trump's win. That's right. Now what the hell does that mean?
1: Right. Well, it's not just this rocky guy It's William Johnson, the the Los Angeles lawyer who did those robocalls. It's David Duke, former Grand Wizard of the KKK. There is a large, growing segment of the conservative Republican movement that is shifting gears toward this white nationalist, white separatist, hateful, racist bullshit. There's no other way to look at it other than that. It is a fact and it should be alarming to the republican party that they're being endorsed and talked about so lovingly and supportively by these groups when your positions line up with theirs that's a problem and something needs to be done about it so look i'm kind of at a loss it is it is scary times it is very sad. As many of you know, I do have some affection for the, for the Republican Party of my childhood, the party of Reagan. Agree or not, they were a, an alternative, a respectable alternative choice to the Democratic Party. And it's just not that way anymore. There are still some holdouts. But the further we go along, when you've got men who I have some respect for, Paul Ryan, who are endorsing Donald Trump and allowing him to be a maniac week after week after week and not pulling their support. Any vestiges of respect that I do have or did have for him are withering away on the vine as time goes on. It is a bummer. But there is an alternative out there, folks. Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, if you're not a Hillary fan and if you cannot stand Trump like you shouldn't, gary johnson and bill weld the libertarian party um they are making inroads they are raising in the polls it is likely they will get on the debate stage and uh don't just think that third party candidates just never have had an effect
5: no third party candidate has ever reached the oval office but that doesn't mean they didn't have a hand in who did Back in 1912, former President Teddy Roosevelt left the Republican Party and ran on the progressive party or bull moose ticket. Roosevelt essentially split the Republican vote with incumbent William Howard Taft. It likely cost Taft the presidency, handing the Oval Office to Democrat Woodrow Wilson instead. Fast forward to 1968 and another third party candidate shook things up this time it was George Wallace. Wallace
1: has the courage to stand up for America. Give him your support.
5: The former governor of Alabama was considered a segregationist Democrat, opposing civil rights and fueling fear in America.
0: It's a sad day in our country that you cannot walk even in your neighborhoods at night or even in the
5: daytime. Wallace ran on the ticket for the American Independent Party. By pulling conservative Democratic votes, he cost Democrat Hubert Humphrey the election. Republican Richard Nixon walked away with the win. In 1992, it was Ross Perot's turn to shake up the race.
3: Good afternoon. The volunteers in all 50 states have asked me to run as a candidate for president of the United States.
5: The Texas billionaire ran as an independent and focused his presidential campaign on the national debt.
3: Decide who you think will do the job. Pick that person in November, because believe me, as I've said before, the party's over and it's time for the cleanup crew.
5: On Election Day, Perot snagged 19 percent of the popular vote, likely costing Republican George H.W. Bush a second term. Then Governor Bill Clinton got the win. Bush refused to discuss Perot years later in the HBO documentary 41.
0: Can you talk a little bit about Ross Perot? No, can't talk about him. I think he cost me the election. I don't like him.
1: (laughs) Uh, Good old George H.W. Well, let me say this. If you can't stomach voting for Hillary Clinton and you still want to see Trump defeated, I think that libertarian ticket is your way to go. Because if they... If they do even half as well as Ross Perot did in 1992, they will s- snatch any hope of a victory away from Donald Trump. Now, if they do as well as Ross Perot did, holy shit, it'll be over. It'll be donezo for Donald Trump. And the other thing, if you're thinking that ah, that's not an option, he's not going to be getting any support. He, it, they're, they're just a fringe. It's not going to happen. Uh, He did finally get a congressional endorsement. Scott Riggle or Ragell. Something. R-I-G-E-L-L. Of Virginia. A Virginia congressman has given his endorsement for the third party ticket.
2: He says, quote, I've always said I will not vote for Donald Trump and I will not vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm going to vote for the libertarian candidate.
1: Well, It might not seem like a lot, one congressman, but remember, remember when Bernie got his very first endorsement, people thought it was, oh my God, the greatest day in the world. So it's a big deal to get an endorsement from a sitting Republican congressman. That is a big deal.
2: He says that he's been having a lot of Republican candidates ask him for advice uh, about separating themselves from Donald Trump's campaign. He says, quote, when their own conscience is seared by some statement that Trump has made, I have encouraged them to be direct and also in a timely manner repudiate what he said. People will respect it if you have a reason and you put it out there. He says that he still considers himself a Republican, but that would change, he said, if the Republican Party were to become synonymous with Donald Trump and his ideas in a lasting way. Then I'm done, he says. I'll be an independent.
1: Good for him. Good for him. All right. We are going to end it there. There's not going to be a taking care of biz or an asshole of today today. Still kind of getting on our feet after the vacation. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us twice a week or as often as you do. You guys mean the world to us. We wouldn't be here without you and your support. If you're looking for another way other than what we've talked about to support the show, go to Amazon. Go to dollamore.com, left-hand side of the page. There's a link. You can click through, support the show, go shop to your heart's content on Amazon. If you're going to spend your money anyway, why not help your favorite show filled with news, news. and ridiculous comments? For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.
2: Zimmerman said that he was at Gators Riverside Grill sounds fantastic